Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Here's Sunjo Gall. Good morning and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Today's topic is financial services from BI to big data. And our guests for today's show are Charles Costa, who is the head of global technology and operations and is the chief information officer for JP Morgan Asset Management. Good morning, Charles. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks and an honor to have you. Uh, so how's life? How's work? How's family? How's it going? Yeah, everything is going great. I mean, the years, uh, feels like it, we just started a couple of months ago, but it's, we're, we're well into the year and uh, a lot of exciting things happening here. Great. And we also have, uh, Dr. Michael Chewy, who is the senior fellow in McKenzie Global Institute. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. So have you been globetrotting or you've been mostly in the United States? <laughs> uh, off and on, but certainly uh, doing some globetrotting for sure. So, so is, is work and given that you talk to a lot of different people across the world, how do you see the world changing around you? Well, certainly this uh, topic of big data has, has really taken hold and a tremendous amount of excitement and interest and I think a recognition of some, a real opportunity here, but also a lot of uh, questions about how, how uh, companies can actually take advantage of it and I hope we're able, we're able to uh, get into some of that here. Beautiful. Now, uh, Charles, we'll start with you. The question, um, and in fact, the, the, to set the stage, uh, financial services has been using BI to quite an extent, and I'm sure there would be obvious ways where you t- utilize BI to get some uh, insight so that you can do your business better. But what are some of those not-so-obvious ways with the, with the listeners would, would uh, be interesting in learning that you use this BI for, and now the analytics and BI that you've used in the past has that been morphing and is it becoming not as relevant because of which you are looking at new avenues to get the same insight or more insight? So yeah. what's happening so, in your world? Yeah, so yeah, just you know, two seconds on asset management at JP Morgan, right? So we manage one point three trillion dollars of uh of our customers' money, uh and that, that it goes for the whole spectrum of institutions and private clients and pensions and endowments and um you know, one of the most important things that we have to focus on is not just data on our customers, but, you know, how we make decisions about what, um, what investments we should be taking. How do we, how do we best service our clients? How do we prospect, uh, to give them more, uh, and better products? And data is at the heart of that. So we're a data intensive business. And, you know, to answer your question about kind of the before and after, I mean, you know, the kind of the old model was, as you described, business intelligence and analytics. You know, you, you got uh, a bunch of people that were very, you know, uh, math intensive. They used SaaS, big data warehouses, long lead times, mostly uh, involving structured data. And, um, you know, although we've developed m- models to support our businesses, you know, what we're seeing now and what we're really excited about is this push to big data. And the, and the main difference for us is, you know, it, we don't need to have the kind of lead times that we did around some of these systems projects. We're able to access data and, and large amounts of data relatively quickly. Um, and, and now with some of the tools that sit on, on uh, some of the big data capabilities around data visualization, you know, we're now suddenly able to, you know, create some insights that, frankly, would have taken a long time and would have taken more money and, and a lot of experts. So, 
So we're pretty excited about this ship. So on the surface, are there, I mean, of course, we, we all think that you might be using it to get a better handle on what's going on in the customer's head or how they're making transactions. Are there some of those not-so-obvious ways which you feel have given you the edge? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, we definitely have a focus around, you know, understanding customer needs and designing products to support that. But you know, here's an example of, you know, we had a, we had a, you know, a very um, labor-intensive process to compare all security data. I mean, this is, as you can imagine, especially in our fixed income business, we have, you know, thousands of and tens of thousands of security descriptions. And every overnight, every morning, we would do some comparisons to make sure that we've got you know, all of the changes, either from custodians or from, you know, market um, pricing vendors. And, you know, by using uh, some of the big data tools, we're able now to identify exceptions, present that to our portfolio managers, and have that um, done within seconds that would have taken much longer. So that's kind of, so it's not just about, you know, reviewing uh, customer data and getting, you know, insights around investments. It's making us more efficient and making us more focused on data quality, which, you know, in big financial services firms, data quality is an issue. Michael, when you look in your world, when you talk to multiple organizations in financial services or otherwise, I mean, let's focus financial services for now. Are there areas where you feel that uh, the, the traditional BI and or analytics is not cutting anymore? Well, I think that you know, traditional BI and analytics, um, you know, will certainly continue to have value. But I think what we're able to see is supplemental or additional value that comes through using uh, big data, through using new sources of data and more diverse sources of data. So even, you know, traditional areas where uh, analytics have been applied, such as credit risk scoring, uh, we are now starting to see, you know, beyond the traditional metrics and data that were used for uh, assessing credit risk, um, you know, some innovations are going on. So, for example, looking at new sources of data, maybe from, uh, you know, social media and social networks, maybe location data or geolocation data about where people are, maybe data from the web, or maybe even SKU-level transactional data in terms of transactions that they're occurring, uh, that they're uh, conducting. And so, again, we're having a, a more and more diverse sources of data and types of data which can be brought to bear upon even, um, you know, areas where BI and analytics have already been applied. Another area is marketing. Of course, we've always used, uh, you know, uh, you know in, in, the, in the financial services field, you know, various types of analytics and business intelligence in order to understand how to upsell, cross-sell, and target marketing. But with these additional sources of data and innovative ways of doing analytics, again, your marketing can be that much more targeted, can be that much more real-time so that you can actually influence people at, at, the, at the time of making a decision. Would you say that incremental or supplemental uh, changes that you're trying to bring about or the organizations are trying to bring about using big data, is that substantial for we to, for us to kind of invest in this new toy? Because for some, a few people, they still call it a toy or a hype. Yeah, it's, so I don't think the right way to think about it is that is that is that is at as a toy. I mean, certainly when we're starting to look at some of the emerging evidence. You know, we're starting to believe that, in fact, you know, the effective use of big data is going to be a key basis of competition going forward. Those who are able to use data more effectively really are going to lead in the marketplace. Those who don't are going to be laggard. So I don't think it's a toy. On the other hand, I do think that we're seeing that many of the most successful companies and the most successful financial institutions who are using data effectively uh, really do view it as, a, as 
um, needing to become a learning organization, conducting a series of experiments in order to learn. So again, it's not necessarily a wholesale change that happens all at once as one big bang, but really learning how to do this, um, you know, conducting an, an experiment at a time. In some experiments, you, you'll discover, you know, this source of data actually doesn't provide, you know, uh, an additional uh, increment of value in terms of figuring out a credit score or figuring out, uh, you know, whether or not you need to market to this person. And that's okay. That's part of the idea of having a data orientation, your tests, you learn. That's exactly what we're seeing the most successful uh, institutions do. I, and I just I'd add to that, too, what, what we're seeing here at J.P. Morgan Asset Management is as we start to use some of the visualization tools that sit on uh, some of the big data technologies, we're able to um, give our, our most senior uh, managers a much easier way to look at in our business, you know, how our products are performing versus benchmarks, uh, where are we seeing inflows and outflows, not just at a country level, but, you know, drill down to different client segments and different products, and, and, and it starts to tease out very obviously, like, so why are we seeing these outflows? How do we, how are we, are we selling our best products um, to uh, various you know, constituencies, and if not, why not? And what used to be a 50-page report with a lot of details and, you know, you had to kind of, you know, understand everything, it kind of jumps right at you right now. And, and you know, people are pretty excited about, you know, um, the applicability on how they are managing either risks in their business or how they can sell better sales management tools or how they can, you know, better, better you know, design products to meet clients' needs. So, so we're seeing a big demand, and, and we have a process here at, um, at Asset Management at J.P. Morgan where we, we have what we call these innovation sessions where we show examples of uh, what people are doing and quickly get the word out. And, um, you know, we're oversubscribed around, you know, having the right teams and people to, uh, to provide this information right now. So, Charles, what all you just mentioned, how much of this was not possible earlier, and what was the reason why it was not done to the degree of sophistication that you just mentioned earlier? Was that was not just needed? Hard, right? I mean, you know, so we, you know, we have the business objects, you know, we have, you know, we, you know, we had the SaaS tools, we had teams that were, you know, uh, very skilled. So it's not like we weren't doing uh, or using data analytics, but, but it was, it, you know, it cost money, um, it, it was harder. Um, all of that stuff sometimes has to be prioritized against, you know, where else we should be spending money in technology, right? You can, you, you could, you always have to prioritize. You have this sensational demand for technology and you have to prioritize. What this does, and this is the big sea change, it, it just doesn't cost a lot to get, to get this up and running. And you can literally in days and weeks allow key decision makers to leverage this technology run some scans against huge databases, right? So, you know, what would have taken a lot of time and effort and, and hardware uh, to run against um, some of this data, you know, now we're able to leverage some of these tools and within, I said, a matter of days and weeks uh, actually get insights. And the key thing is not just to structure data but also to unstructured data, right? So it's, so it's more complete. It provides more insights that allows decision makers to tailor, you know, how they want to, how do they want to view the data, Whereas before, you know, you literally had to sit down and do your requirements and, and hand it to, you know, kind of these SaaS, you know, programmers, and then you had to understand how to use that and tease it out. And it was, it was an iterative process that, you know, frankly did address some of the issues, but, you know, not as quickly and not as completely as what we're seeing today. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And when we come back, 
uh, Michael, what we will try to see is that suppose Charles was a customer of yours and they had presented that they have a challenge where they need to get that unprecedented insight and the new things that they wanted to do. And based on what all he just mentioned, would you have recommended a BI solution or would you have still said, okay, let's go BI and make that incremental investment because the tools were already there. Perhaps they were not using it properly and or they did not have that team in place. How would you have solved that problem and with or without big data? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show. Here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Michael... Based on what Charles mentioned in terms of what they're trying to accomplish and uh, how did they morph or, or what their needs were, you coming in as a consultant, um, not I mean as an individual and listen to this problem, would you have said you already have everything that you need, you just have to use it differently? Or would you have said, you know what, you need big data? Yeah, I mean, I, to a certain extent, uh, it's, it's not an either or, or choice here. So our traditional BI tools, which have been, you know, based on reporting, based on being able to effectively uh, analyze uh, structured data, particularly within the organization, uh, you know, data that exists in databases within the institution, uh, it can be extremely effective um, as, a, as, as a tool there. And, and oftentimes, uh, many institutions have a lot of headroom in terms of capturing value um, you know, from data that exists in structured form within relational databases for which uh, BI and traditional tools are quite effective. Um, however, you know, as, as Charles has mentioned, there are new sources of unstructured data which also can be used uh, to capture value. So again, you know, things such as social media, even imagery or, or, or other sorts of multimedia, uh, other sorts of semi-structured data from the web, which again can also be analyzed uh, and used effectively. And so it really does come down, you know, to an assessment of how much value you're already capturing from the BI tools that you have in place 
and where in the institution you're trying to capture value, whether or not it's you know understanding which products are performing best, how you can uh, reach out to the right customers and achieve greater market share or a greater share of, wa- of their wallet, uh, whether or not it's for internal uh, operational measurement purposes, et cetera, and then trying to match the tool to 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 the to the purpose. So you know I don't think there's a, a generic answer here. There still is a lot of value that you can capture from traditional BI, and you can also add a lot of additional value. Uh, by using some of the, you know, these new uh, big data tools. So, Charles, what are truly uh, the directives and or the vision that has been set forth by the management, which is causing uh, leaders like you to start taking a look at what all has changed in your side of the camp and what do you need to do and why should you even bring big data into the mix? So, so you know, this this directly is at the heart of, of our overall strategy in asset management, right, where we're all about managing money really well. We're all about, you know, having the best customer experience, and, and we're all about, you know, developing solutions um, that provide those customers with, uh, with, with great uh, capabilities, right? And, and that's, where, um, that's where, you know, the big data initiative, it, it, it's designed to help achieve those goals, right? So it's not like this thing on the side where people are just you know, um, having fun, you know, scanning databases, and it, it's directly related to, you know, how we get better at managing money, how do we get better at developing solutions for our clients, and how do we get better at extending those insights to help our clients understand that that we're the best, um, you know, manager of money and asset management business um, that they that they should gravitate towards. And, it's, you know, it's complementing our brand and it's complementing our focus around that we will invest. I mean, one of the benefits of being a large asset management company and also one of the benefits of being a large financial services company is that we do have the ability to access capital to make investments. And, uh, you know, we clearly are making investments in this space. So so you're saying that those specific, are they, would you call, have they been the directives all along or is there something uniquely different which would yeah. have caused you to move in this direction? Yes. Yeah, so, so we we always prioritize some of the initiatives that I mentioned, but I think what's, what what makes this so exciting to us is, you know, rather than having to, you know, uh, get approval to um, do a huge systems development project around creating a data warehouse and creating, um, you know, customized supports, which has long lead times and gets very costly, um, we're able to use these technologies, and as I mentioned, coupled with data visualization technologies that allow us to to get basically to those insights and answers, you know, a lot faster. And it's not and it's not like it's either or, right? It's it's that we are continuing to use some of the more traditional methods, right? Um, but at the same time, um, this allows us not to have to um, you know, spend uh, a large amount of money uh, because of, you know, the, again, the 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 creation of the the introduction of these new technologies whether it's, you know, data caching or whether it's you know, um, the ability to look at very large pools of data um, and the ability to, to, to return insights now, as I mentioned before, um, allows us now to, to provide capabilities without the investment or heavy IT overhead. Michael, when you look at big data, what are those, say, one or two examples of insights which could be um, der- derived from unstructured data mining? that you feel would help financial services, which otherwise would not have been possible? Well, I think one of the 
interesting things that we've seen as as big data has has come to the fore is a real shift on on the parts of CIOs. Um, you know, it, you know, traditionally you might say the CIO's best friend ought to be the CFO. All the interesting data in the world, uh, you know, in the CIO used to come from financial systems, financial transactional systems, uh, data warehouses and data marts that synthesize that information, et cetera. But increasingly, you might think that now that the CIO's key client is becoming the CMO, the chief marketing officer, because increasingly a lot of the data um, and the value that can be captured from the data, not all of it, of course, there's a plenty of data, you know, value that can be captured elsewhere. But a lot of the data is actually uh, coming to the fore in the, in the marketing field, and that's where the value can be captured. So, you know, just as a, an example, um, you know, understanding behavioral data perhaps from the web, whether it's social media or, or, or uh, you know, one's clickstream, et cetera, and using that data in order to better segment uh, your customers um, is, is a powerful, powerful uh, tool that, you know, financial services uh, institutions have learned a little bit from what retailers have been doing, from what online, um, you know, companies that were born online have been able to do, uh, and has, has been able to, um, you know, greatly increase the effectiveness as well as the efficiency of, uh, you know, some of the marketing efforts and offers that are, are being, uh, you know, placed in the field. And, you know, part of it is just pure insight. But the other thing that we've also discovered is that companies that do this well also make decisions in a very different way. Not only just, you know, data mining and, you know, immersing themselves in the data and running a bunch of algorithms, but really conducting experiments, you know, having a control group, really thinking about things in terms of, um, you know, how do you conduct an experiment which shows what the real drivers of, uh, you know, customer behavior are. And so that's a, a different way of thinking about making a decision uh, and something that we're seeing the leaders in using this data do. Now, um, if you were to look at Charles in your world, do you think it has, those big data related initiatives, have they been looked at or are they being looked at as strategic or they're like, okay, you got a sandbox, play with this, tell us what you can get out of it and then we'll see if it can be scaled to the next level. What's the mindset there? Yes. So, um, you know, we go through a multi-year strategy process in technology. We, we, we spend a lot of time making sure that our investments are tied to business outcomes uh, that will allow us, as I said before, to get back to, you know, our overarching goals around um, managing money well and growing our, our uh, flows and assets and servicing customers well. So from that context, we, we have, as you can imagine, a number of specific investments that, that get at the heart of um, giving, um, you know, both structured and unstructured data to decision makers. And I, I think, as I said, I think the diff, so it is strategic. It, you know, we, we've identified um, big data and data visualization as one of our sort of three key themes uh, around innovation um, and, um, you know, with the others being mobile and collaboration and the, some of the social media that you mentioned. And um, and this clearly has, you know, um, is seen as uh, one of the most important initiatives that we have because, you know, all of our business leaders, all of our heads of sales uh, are always interested in being able to uh, obtain more insights about, you know, what, what affects a stock or more insights about what are our customers uh, buying uh, away from us. So one of the specific projects we had with big data um, in our private bank was looking at, you know, opportunities to prospect. Uh, so we have access to, you know, uh, information around our customers' 
mortgages or, um, you know, credit card movements or, you know, deposit and investment accounts. Uh, and that allows us to relatively quickly be able to understand where we may have an opportunity to um, cross-sell and, and let our customers know that we do have relevant products uh, that they are using elsewhere and, uh, you know, allow us to create a value proposition um, that will um, uh, allow us to help them, you know, convert some of that business. I mean, that that uh, effort would have taken, um, you know, much more work, you know, in creating different inter- interfaces to different databases and then putting, you know, either a business, business objects or confidence tool on top of that now, you know, we can do that, as I said, within a matter of weeks. Uh, and, again, one of the advantages of being part of global financial services in, uh, institution, too, is that you do have access to a lot of a lot of both public data as well as unstructured data within the company. Um, but, yes, we, so we are using it for prospecting as well as, uh, you know, cross-sell. So, Michael, while uh, the, the temptation to leverage the unstructured data to find those um, unprecedented insights is is it's it's a basically a good temptation there. But do you think there's also uh, it's also bringing a risk of false positives? Well, I, a, a couple of things. I think no matter what you're doing, you have to understand you know the basic statistics around the fact that correlation doesn't equal cognition. That you can have type one and type two errors. That you can have false positives. That that's going to be true no matter what techniques you're you're using. With the newer techniques, again, you're going to have to learn what all those things mean. I think in many cases, though, uh, the the greater um, or the, the more likely failing, particularly in financial institutions, is over-specifying data quality. You know, because obviously institutions can't get, you know, an account balance wrong. They just can't get that wrong. And so the, the ingrained uh, mindset is to make sure the data is perfect and never to make, quote, a mistake. However, if you, if you think through what the application is, uh, oftentimes you don't need 100% perfection there. And then a false positive here or there, if it's in terms of marketing, if you send out an offer to someone, you know, for whom it's not going to convert, that's, you know, not only the, not the end of the world. In fact, if you do hit a few more people who convert, that's, it's well worth the effort. And so again, matching the data quality to the application is something that, uh, sometimes we find, uh, some institutions fall down on. Simply because, you know, for very reasonable reasons, you know, the background is to make sure that you always have everything ticking and tying. But for a marketing application, for instance, uh, you don't necessarily need 100%. Yeah, I mean, just to add, add to that, right, uh, another benefit of utilizing um, some of these newer tools is that it does allow us to do some testing of, of, um, of, of how we might think we may end up wanting to see something or and we may learn along the way. So so rather than thinking that we know everything and doing requirements and then, you know, throwing it over the wall and programming it and then nine months later, you know, we realize that it's only sixty, seventy percent of what we really wanted, we can in a relatively easy way use these technologies to do some testing of whether it's a product solution or a customer requirement or, you know, driving towards a hypothesis about a particular insight. And if that takes weeks, right? And and then that that learning then allows us to feel better about uh, creating more, you know, industrial strength solutions, right? So that's the other aspect of this thing that is that it's a very powerful uh, tool to to allow you to sort of iterate and and get some information relatively quickly that might make you change the way you 
drive towards a requirement that you ultimately want to want to see. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Charles, when we come back, one is to basically the question for you would be, is that while we are trying to get all the insights, but at the same time, you've got some regulatory uh, requirements that need to be fulfilled. And as the data is increasing, the volume of data is increasing, you also have the data quality issues that could creep in. Do you think Big data, and then, of course, we have to first see whether we are going to do the regulatory reporting. Are we going to also include the findings from the unstructured data, or is that going to be left for only uh, marketing purposes? And on the other side, the very data quality, because the volume is increasing, do you think any BI or, for that matter, big data or BI tools could do any good if the data quality is the one where you need to focus on? And where do we stand with that today, given the ever-increasing growth in volume of data? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We live in an instant-on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change, that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. We live in an Instant On world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP's solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Charles, when it comes to regulatory uh, demands that are placed on financial services institutions, do you think the volume of data, while you might have new tools available, but the data quality may be becoming a bigger issue, which not sure if these, whether BI or big data can do anything about? Because if you put garbage in, it's going to get garbage out. Yeah, no, I, I think when it comes to, you know, complying with, you know, regulatory, you know, mandates, I mean, we, we know we have to get that 100% right. So in my mind, it's not a question of uh, using some technologies and, and getting to an 80% solution. So I kind of separate that and say, yes, I mean, using some of the big data tools can help us um, definitely comply in an easier and less costly fashion. But, you know, at the end of the day, we will, we will, we will comply with any new regulatory mandates and, and use all of the tools at our disposal to do that. And big data does 
does help us with that, but I wouldn't say that it's, you know, a silver bullet. I mean, you, you literally have to get it at a very detailed level and make sure that you can demonstrate data quality and how you're complying and, and what, are the, what are the controls around that. Now, Michael, when you look at financial services across the board, do you think data quality is a bigger issue, and is there a, a risk where we start even introducing this unstructured data and trying to see if big data can bring that uh, combined with the traditional data and try to give those those insights? It's going to just become a little more erroneous as a percentage compared to what it was before. I, I don't think so if used effectively. I mean, clearly there's a... a you know, and you have to learn some new techniques and you have to uh, better understand new sources of data which you haven't been used to using before. Uh, and, yes, new types of errors can occur, but you can also uh, develop new types of values. So on balance, I, I don't think we're necessarily introducing more risk other than you would be if you're introducing any new management technique or tool. Uh, but I think the, the, the potential benefits far outweigh the risks. So... So when you say the benefits, are we saying that you will be able to quantify those benefits or are they going to be qualitative? Well, certainly there will be quantitative benefits. I mean, we, we are starting to see companies that, you know, are deriving uh, faster top-line growth uh, as well as uh, profitability growth as well. Now, Charles, in your world, do you think uh, big data has the potential to add uh, top-line growth-related uh you know, add to the top-line growth versus just trying to get you a way to save a buck? No, I mean, this This is seen as helping us drive towards getting new clients, right? I mentioned some of the prospecting initiatives that try to target where uh, either existing customers are using other financial institutions and certain products that maybe they're not as aware that we have capability in. So that would be one example uh, it's also uh, uh, using big data to understand if a client has a relationship with another part of the firm, um, then that'll and, and we believe that, that that we can offer them a solution. So that, so that also helps for both new clients as well as selling existing clients and other products. Uh, and then I, then as I said before, I mean we we manage money and we want to demonstrate that we manage money really well. And you know to the extent that we can provide portfolio managers or investors that make decisions about investments that lead to performance um, and, and that in turn leads to um, superior performance that we can, um, you know, uh, sell to our clients, then that has a direct relationship to driving the top line. Uh, and then, then it falls into service as well. If we have more insights about our customers or problems that they have by utilizing some of these tools, uh, then we also believe that you know, creating a great customer experience will will uh, also uh, you know result in retention of clients, which again is directly related to the top line. So it's so it's not just a expense cost play or an efficiency play or hey we could spend less on technology so let's drop that to the bottom line. It's it's really you know both I would say. Besides getting a better handle on unstructured data, Michael, do you think are there any um, specific advantages that you think big data would bring, or do you think at some point you'll say if it's not big enough, then why even bother? Well, I, I think one of the important things to, to note is, you know, that you know, while we have used big data as a, as a useful, uh, it's easy to say, 
um, you know, as almost a, 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 you know, as a branding or a set of concepts. We actually view big data as being more than just a larger volume of data. We view it as an increasing diversity of sources of data, both internal and external, an increasing diversity of types of data. Uh, so, for example, you know, unstructured versus structured, multimedia, you know, semi-structured data, et cetera, and also the increasing uh, real-time or uh, current nature of data. And so what we believe is that, you know, these other characteristics of big data, other than just simply its volume, can lead to new ways of operating, uh, new sources of revenue, um, new ways to engage with consumers. So, for example, just the increasing real-time nature of data means that, uh, for instance, in some cases, you don't necessarily even have a human in the loop, right? So this is really going beyond BI. Uh, but if you actually are able to provide real-time offers to someone uh, on a mobile device, um, you know, because you're able to analyze all the data that's available in real time in an automated sort of way, uh, that actually introduces new ways of capturing value that uh, didn't exist before. Now, uh, Charles, in your world, when BI, this BI was always there and big data was introduced, was there uh, a specific plan that was put in place? How did you go about adopting it? Was it just brought into your R&D cell and people played with it and they saw some value and then you put it in production? So, so we, did, we did both, actually. We, um, we identified this a few years ago as an uh, emerging technology trend and we work with some of our uh, folks at corporate that have um, access to some R&D money. And when we did the same thing uh, where, you know, I and, and my boss, um, you know, who runs the asset management business, Mariotos, we decided that we wanted to see some investments on some of these emerging trends. But we very quickly, so, so, we, so that allowed us to get some expertise. It allowed us to uh, build up some infrastructure, you know, servers and access. Um, and it also allowed us to start to utilize some of the tools. And that, but it, but very quickly, right after that, we we quickly identified pilots. Uh, so in other words, we identified you know business problems that you know our our um, client uh, advisors or our um, you know investors or portfolio managers were having, or whether they were trying to use a more conventional technology solution. And we worked with them and the key technologists in that area to um, utilize this uh, and, and created a bunch of pilots, which, you know, as I mentioned before, every three, four months we, we, have, we have innovation sessions with, and then um, expos right outside of that that, that um, illustrate in a practical way uh, what some of these new technologies are doing, not just in an R&D perspective, but actually, you know, as a result of some of the pilots so we can show, a, you know, a real uh, a real solution uh, that's addressing a business problem. Michael, when you look at uh, companies across the board, how do you differentiate the good adoption and or good implementation of big data versus something which was left to be desired? Yeah, so, you know, as I mentioned before, and as Charles has explained, we do view this as being um, uh, a journey, a learning journey for any organization. And so, you know, I, I'm not sure I'd describe, you know, some uh, implementations as bad and some implementations as good so much as, you know, where are people along the journey. That being said, what are the things that we've seen in terms of uh, companies that have been successful? Well, one of them, you know, harkening back to the comment I just made is those who have been doing it the longest actually uh, uh, tend to be better at it. Uh, and so, um, you know, just getting started is extraordinarily important. 
because you do learn as you go along. Um, other things, though, that we, you know, other markers of success is that companies that, that, that are successful here have changed the way they make management decisions. We have an old joke uh, I, I, I've taken from my friend uh, Eric Brynjolfsson, who's a professor at the MIT Sloan School. But he says in many institutions, the way that decisions are made, management decisions are made, are by hippos, the highest paid person's opinion. Uh, whereas in companies that are effectively using data, they actually make decisions in very different ways. They think in terms of making decisions using experiments. To have the courage to listen to the data even if it rejects a hypothesis that you had coming in. And so that's, again, a, a, another marker of a, a company that's been effective in, in uh, using big data. And then a third one is just having the talent in-house. And, you know, we can go in more depth about this, but I, one of the things that we've heard from leaders in using big data is the relative scarcity of people who are able to take large amounts of data and deliver business insight from it. And so having a cadre of people who can do that and it is a set of you know, rare skills, uh, is also a marker of real success. Do you think every organization by default is uh, big data ready? And or to be, are they ready to jump into big data, or would you expect them to have their act together in some form or fashion before they even attempt this? Because it's an investment. Yeah, I, so, I, number one, uh, we believe that big data is applicable to every business. We did an analysis and looked at the average uh, amount of data to an average company with over a 1,000 employees. And in 15 out of 17 sectors in the United States, financial services included, um, the, the average company with over a 1,000 employees has more data available to it uh, than exists in the U.S. Library of Congress. And for most of those sectors, sectors has more data uh, in-house than that. Walmart's enterprise data warehouse had only a few years ago. So in other words, we think it's relevant for pretty much every company. In terms of how do you get started, though, I'm not sure there are a bunch of things that you need to do before starting to think about big data. These things happen together. If you're going to make an investment in big data, you do have to think about the technology. You do have to think about the talent that you put in place. You do have to think about the management processes you put in place. But I'm not sure it's a, a process of thinking about you know, how ready is my organization before we embark? Rather, what is the process that we need to go to in order to actually capture value? Interesting. So, Charles, do you think your organization, when you did embark upon this journey, what all did you do to see if your people, the processes, and the technology all were in sync, or at least you had the baseline foundation available for you to jump on it because I'm sure you always have enough which is spilling off of your plate anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, again, there's no one right answer here, right? So um, what we tried to do is um, we tried to identify so, – so, so we have a process that identifies some of these key emerging technology themes, and we, we spent – given our size and scale and the importance of technology to our firm – so we do we do have a regular process where we where we speak to people in the VC community where we where we understand you know working with some of our partners what are the technology trends um, and 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 yes you know uh, so we so we do have a process to identify that. Let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Char uh, Charles, uh, perhaps I'll start with you in terms of what have you done to prepare the organization? One is, of course, you had the foundation, but as you're going along and as you're 
going through this journey, what all things that you think you now feel you should change and, and incrementally change in terms of people process and processes specifically and the expectations for all, all people below or above you so that as you go about leveraging this new paradigm, you do not have unnecessary stumbling blocks and everybody has bought into the vision. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We live in an instant-on world, mobile and connected. To compete, you want data center flexibility so you can adapt quickly to changing business needs while keeping information safe. Introducing Enterprise Cloud Compute Services, HP solution for managing secure servers, storage, and networks, delivered as a service. Pay only for what you need. Create order out of chaos. The instant on enterprise is here. Are you ready? Start shaping your cloud at hp.com. We live in an instant on world, mobile, connected, and fluid. Competing in this world takes a special kind of workplace technology that adapts to change that allows seamless and personalized interaction. Introducing Workplace 360, HP's full lifecycle desktop management solution, delivered as a service. User subscriptions allow you to gain financial control and flexibility. The Instant On Enterprise is here. Are you ready? Visit hp.com for answers. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free 1-866-472-5790. Now back to the show, here's Sanjo Gall. Welcome back. So, Charles, what changes do you already see that you need to make in the people and processes and when it comes to people, the kind of skills expectations, roles, responsibility, and when it comes to the business users who are essentially um, the creators of that data for the most part, whether they're in-house or they are your end customers, so that they enter relatively accurate data so that you do not deal with data quality issues while you're trying to get those beautiful insights. Yeah, so, so how we think about this is first we we have a focus on uh, people, process, and technology. So with respect to technology, we have a well-defined process to pick and evaluate technology standards because, you know, on one hand, we want to give people access to a variety of different tools, but at the same time, you know, we, we do want to make some decisions about which tools that we think we'll, um, we'll end up using and why we're using it for various reasons. So there is a technology process, and we have picked a bunch of standards around that, and that's what we offer people. Um, so that's number one around technology. Around people, uh, you know, we, we definitely see a, um, a, you know, a need for our people to learn additional skills, you know, in particular, how does one go from translating uh, what they're looking for into 
uh, creating algorithms, um, it, you know, using big data that allows uh, us to get that kind of return. You know, so, uh, and I think, and this is where I think that the lines are really blurred, right, where you have, you know, technologists that have knowledge, you have um, our, our end users that are thinking whether they're sales or research or portfolio management or making investments, you know, you, you've got people who, who now have that analytical skill that see the need to learn the new technology and they like it because it's a lot easier. So we see those lines blurring and, you know, do we have enough of those people? No, we never have enough. Um, but, uh, but we are creating a center of excellence around how to use these tools and we are uh, working, as I mentioned, uh, with various groups that really uh, are champions around this so that they can they could understand how to create algos and they could understand how to how to get the best return uh you know for this investment michael do you think you rather uh have these individual companies and you as you mentioned that almost every company can definitely use big data would you rather have them jump into the pool and then learn how to start swimming uh learn learn how to swim or would you say that there are playbooks which you recommend that they follow or where are those playbooks are there any playbooks well, it's early days, and so it, you know, unlike you know, perhaps some trends which have existed for a longer period of time, we're, we're now talking more about next practices than best practices. Uh, it isn't necessarily that uh, all these problems are solved, uh, and certainly, you know, the answers are going to be, have to be customized uh, for each individual company. That being said, we are starting to see some. Um, uh, key success factors that appear to be in common amongst leaders. Uh, one of the things that companies can do is start to look towards uh, some of those sectors uh, where the use of big data really has uh, uh, you know, has been going on for longer, where companies have been learning organizations for longer periods of time. So, for example, um, you're looking at what some of the online companies have been doing because they were born with this type of data orientation, these type of big data capabilities and competencies uh, in their DNA. And so understanding what they're doing and then figuring out how that applies uh, in a financial institution context can often be quite fruitful. Do you think, uh, is there a one single neck to choke or should be a one neck to choke when it comes to big data or it has to be like everybody is responsible so there is nobody responsible or accountable? Well, you know, big data is a trend as opposed to necessarily an initiative. Uh, and so it's a capability that needs to be built. I think certainly one of the things that we do know is that if big data is going to be a basis of competition, it clearly is going to require you know, business leadership, and not that IT leaders and CIOs aren't business leaders, but it will also require people with P&L responsibility uh, to recognize uh this being a, a key basis of competition, a key capability, a key competency that will have to be built. And so at the very least, uh, it will require, as, as with everything else, but perhaps to an even greater extent, uh, the right type of partnership between business leaders and IT leaders in order to be successful. Charles, as the, the top IT person in your group, are you willing to take ownership of success and or failure of a perceived success or failure of big data. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't we don't kind of look at it as kind of success or failure of big data. I think that the way we look at it is, you know, we have some key initiatives, we have some key projects, we have overarching business imperatives, and we see this as an enabler to help those. And and yes, we track 
you know, success and failures in those initiatives, you know, did it achieve the objectives, you know, did we deliver on time, on budget, on scope, uh, where, it, so, so I think with, with the overall initiative of big data, I think we see it as, as enabling either those projects that I just mentioned or helping to drive business results. And I think there's really, uh, once, once people get educated to the benefits and once we help people with, uh, understanding uh, how to use these tools, then it kind of takes off. Right? And, and I think it's more of a kind of bottom-up, right? Because we already know what the top-down imperatives are and clearly, um, you know, achieving our business goals, but also leveraging technology and leveraging uh, innovation from the technology is clearly one of our top priorities. Uh, but at the same time, we see this as more of a bottom-up, well, how do we work with, with leaders to, to help them achieve the overarching goals. And uh, as I said before, this is now more of a pull than it is a push. I would say maybe, you know, two years ago when we started more of a structured focus around technology innovation, people were just kind of getting educated. Uh, but now it's more of a pull where people, when they see the power of what other people are doing, either from a data visualization perspective or or some of the insights, people are, are gravitating towards it because I think they see the real applicability for them to help them achieve their overarching business goals. Michael, 10 seconds. Tell one top trait of an IT leader who works alongside others to make big data successful. I'm sorry. <laughs> one, one. Top trait and or faculty or, or uh, quality of an IT leader to make this successful, big data successful. Partnership. Partnership with the business. Great. Thank you so much, uh, Charles and Michael, for taking the time to share your inputs on the financial services aspect of how they can transform from BI to big data. It looks like it's going to be not one or the other. Uh, it seems to be a coexistence type of uh, a scenario, and hopefully organizations over time will be able to get the most out of this new paradigm. Thank you so much again. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, listeners, if you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, please send it to views at ciotalkradio.com. That is views at ciotalkradio.com. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Join Sanjal Gall next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific for another hour of CIO Talk Radio. CIO Talk Radio is sponsored by HP Data Center Services, Cloud Computing Services, and Workplace 360 Services. Are you ready for an instant on 